Well, hey, our series is called, Who Are You? And so we've been looking at who Jesus is leading up to Christmas. And we said he's the reconciler, right? And so Renee did a great message about that. And then Pastor Steve talked about Jesus the king, and he's still the king. And then uh, Jimmy talked about Jesus, our great high priest. And then what does that mean for us? And so today we're going to look at Jesus the prophet. But then this, this series is not about who are you. It also then we turn it and say, who are you? Who are we? If that's who he is, then what does that make us, right? And so that's what I'm going to spend the most time on. We know that Jesus is one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. Even the Islamic religion says he's one of the great prophets, right? So we, even other religions will acknowledge Jesus as prophet. But what's different about our, us is that the, he's still the one living prophet, Amen. But then he causes us to become a prophetic people. I just want to convince you today before you go of your calling as a prophetic generation and a prophetic people called to live and move and be like Jesus on the earth still today. Does that make sense? So, so 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And so if Jesus is something, and we look at who he is, now what does that make us? And 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about us being made into his image, is what that verse is talking about. So then we're going, okay, from glory to glory, we're changed and being made into his image. And so I'm not just going to look at Jesus, the prophet, but I'm really probably going to talk more about you, the prophet, <laughs> prophetess, if you will, if you're a woman, okay? But you're called to have a prophetic anointing and a prophetic calling on your life. And so what that means is you're supposed to, you, 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 we're called and we're supposed to be the mouthpiece of God as well and say what Jesus is saying to his people. That's still something for today. So my, my journey um, into this awareness or into this, into this calling is, is one crazy wild journey. I don't have time to tell you all the stories, but when I got saved at 19 and finally gave my life to Jesus, as I was raised in a very conservative Christian home. It was more like a conservative religious home, actually. That, that I, and I was raised around that. King James Bible was in our house. I had to memorize some of those verses to, just to pass a certain thing in my private school, but I didn't know what they were saying. I didn't know Jesus, right? Any King James fans here? Thee, thou, thus, and therefore. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> my first Bible was a King James Bible. Thee, thou, thus, and therefore. It was a parallel Bible with the NIV Bible so that I could finally begin to understand what it is they're saying, right? And, and, and so that's just, that, that's just how I was raised. But when I got saved at 19, I joined a prophetic culture, and I don't always call it that, but it was, I joined a church and a people that it was, it was very common for them to say, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. Like, oh. And then when we would pray for one another, and this was all new to me. This little ex-Mennonite boy didn't know what to do with this for years. I was just blown away. Like they would start to pray for me. I'll never forget this one gentleman laying his hands on me, starting to pray, God bless Vern. And then he starts to prophesy. By that, he says, this is what I feel God is saying to you right now. And then he started reminding me, this, this is the strangest thing, he reminding me of all the stuff that I did while I was a really horrible teenager. And I'm thinking, well, this guy must know my dad. 
<laughs> my dad has a lot of friends in weird places. You know, I didn't know that, you know. And then, and then he started to say, but this is what I believe God is saying to you. And then he went, then he, then he started to encourage me in the Lord. Like, I think you're called to preach and you're called to pastor. And I was 19, didn't even know what those words really meant, to be honest. Like, seriously, I don't, I don't know if this guy's legit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But anyway, <laughs> here I is, preaching. <laughs> So apparently you know, some stuff that he prophesied came true. Now, but but uh, the, the prophetic culture, the culture that says, I believe that God is still alive and speaking and using people as, as mouthpieces for me, that culture still alive today was really intriguing for me. And I, I was so, so hungry for God. I don't know what you were like when you got saved. I just, just was so, so hungry. I wanted to be at every meeting. I, I, the first time in my life, I read the Bible through cover to cover. Um, and, then I, and then somebody invited me to, to visit a small Pentecostal holiness Bible school in upstate New York called Pinecrest Bible Training Center. And I heard stories about this place, supernatural visitations of God, and a lot of supernatural stories come out of this place. Healings, deliverances, miracles, signs, and wonders. The angels showing up, and I could tell you story after story after story from the 60s and 70s and, and on up. I'm like, absolutely, I want to visit that place with you. I'm really hungry for God's presence. I want, I want more, of, more of Jesus. So I went there to visit. You, you, can't, you can't hardly describe this place and what God was moving in this place. This is back in the 90s when I visited and, and, and it's, I describe it like a place of electricity. I was an electrician for a while. I did some work. You know, like when you get shocked and you forget to, forget to turn the power off, <laughs> you, you get a nice jolt. Doesn't kill you. Well, that, that, that level doesn't kill you. You know, except it was like that many, many times in this little Bible school. And, and so we would go into chapel and forget to leave the chapel and go to class because every morning they had chapel and, and we would get touched by God. And so, and so people would get healed and people would get delivered. It was, it was common and very normal for, I would say, like the move of God to move through that place. And, and it felt like electricity like a manifest presence of God. And so it was nothing to see people getting free from demons and healed and crying out. And it was, it was an amazing, amazing time. I had gone there with the understanding that this was a place of the prophets. That's what they called it. It was nicknamed School of the Prophets. And I went there thinking I'm getting a degree in pro prophetic studies. <laughs> I was sort of a little bit naive. And I didn't know what they were meant, what they were talking about. Well, I came, I came away from the place not with a degree in prophetic studies. And I didn't, I didn't have a degree in prophetic ministry. But what I, what I came away with was a, a, an awareness of God being with us, Emmanuel, God with them. Here's, here's, one, here's one thing that really happened that, that solidified it. We were in one of those meetings, chapel every morning, right? And, and there's like 100 people in this small chapel. And, 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 and again, the electricity fills this room, the manifest presence of God. Some people are just passing out. It's called being slain in the spirit. Some people are just speaking in tongues. They don't know what to do. You know how, you, how many know that when the presence of God really shows up, not a lot of people know what to do. <laughs> That's when you know it's a real move of God. Then even the professors were like, I could see them looking at each other like, what do we do now? You know, should we send them to Greek class? Nah, forget that. I don't think they're going to remember a thing they learned today anyway. 
just let them, <laughs> let them uh, stay in the chapel for another couple hours. <laughs> I'd wake up in the corner of the chapel having passed out for the third time that day. I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know what was happening to other people. I just knew that, I just knew that God was touching everybody within a vicinity of that place and you didn't even know what to do to respond. I would either cry, yell, scream, speak in tongues or just pass out. And that's what most people did. Some of you are going, that's just really weird. Absolutely, and I'm waiting for more of it. So, <laughs> so this one day, this one day in particular, though, um, Pastor Joan Ford, this precious black Pentecostal Bible teacher um, woman, was leading the chapel service, and the professors would take turns leading. And again, the same thing happened, and we're going, this is going to be one of those days I don't think anyone's going to make it to class. <laughs> and... And everyone's just being touched by God in radical ways. And again, being healed, um, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, gifts of tongues and prophecy being released and interpretation going on. And I don't know, I don't know. Well, they had the Pentecostal thing going on when people started praying. Everybody prays at once. It's a little bit African style, right? Yeah, but I've been to the nations of Africa. Let's pray. And they all start praying. It's not really our culture. I like that culture. It was really radical. And, and, so, and so they were doing that. And Joan Ford, right in the middle of, of what I would call a little move of God, she gets, she, she gets up and she's like, quiet, quiet now. I should have to say that like 10 times to calm down this room, I'm telling you. Everybody's going crazy. And then she said, Jesus is here and he has something to say to us. Now I wanna know what that is. And he's gonna speak through you people, through you guys, through you students. And she's like, if you have the gift of tongues, I want you to use English now. <laughs> I was almost a little offended at first. Like she just put a stop to the move of God. No, no, she was actually, she was actually steering the move of God to where it really belonged. And, and she was saying, Jesus is in this place. Now I came away from that meeting, and, and I'm telling you, people prophesied one after the next. Well, prophecy, what it was is Jesus is here. Now, what do you think that he's saying? I came away from that with a revelation of Emmanuel, God with us. And if God is with us, what is he doing? What is he saying? What is he here to accomplish? I'm all for Pentecostal meetings, man. It was a lot of fun those years, I'm telling you. And I get so, so hungry for more of that. But I, but I still want to know if Jesus is here, and I believe he's here now because he lives within us, right? You came with him. He's the one that brought you here. You brought him with you. He's not here just because we worship this morning. He's here. Now, what is he saying? And that's a prophetic generation. I believe, I believe still today God's raising up a, a prophetic generation that carries a revelation of Jesus is here. Now, what's he going to say? What does he want to do? Does that make sense to somebody? See, see, see the prophets in, and I, anyway, I graduated after two years, but I didn't have a degree in prophecy, but I feel like I had an impartation of something that I still carry today because I get so hungry, not just for the presence of God, but I get so hungry to hear God's voice for this generation to, to know what he's saying. And I think, I think that there's a lot of you in this place. You know, as I'm telling these stories, I'm talking about what God wants to do here as well in Lifeway Church. You believe it? <laughs> Well, well, the prophets in the Old Testament, they, they had a special anointing. You think of Jeremiah, Joel, and people like that. And, and the prophetic anointing would come on them, 
And they would be a mouthpiece for God and they would say, this is what God is saying. Sometimes it was a rebuke, sometimes it was correction, sometimes it was encouragement, and sometimes it was you know, future telling or forth telling, this is what's gonna happen, and sometimes this is what's gonna happen if you don't repent, and th- things like that. But see, the Holy Spirit would, would come and he would give them a special gift, but it was not available to all only to those particular prophets. And if you were, happened to be in that vicinity or in that meeting that they were having or in that town that the prophet showed up and you could hear what he was saying to the church. And like in Jeremiah, God said to the prophet Jeremiah, do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go and all that I command you, you shall speak. And that's, that's what they all carried. I'm gonna speak for God. I'm gonna go and do what he's asking me to do. So the Old Testament you know, it was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, but it actually contains about 300 prophecies, maybe more, that Jesus fulfilled through his life, death, and his resurrection. And Jesus, the great prophet, came and fulfilled all of them. Isn't that really cool? Um, the, that's why, you know, again, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived and still lives today is Jesus. But, but even Micah, you know, the example in Micah 5, 2 is this, oh, Bethlehem, Ephrata, you're only a small village, yet a ruler will come out of you. Y'all remember that one? And of course, that's where Jesus was born. But then Jesus himself showed himself to be prophetic. He said a lot of things that this will come to pass, and it came to pass. And in Matthew 26, he predicted that Peter would deny him three times, and that's exactly what Peter did. And in Matthew 16, Jesus prophesied concerning himself that he would be killed in Jerusalem, and that's exactly where he was crucified. And then Matthew 24, he prophesied about the destruction of the temple, and that happened in the year 70 AD where Titus, the Roman ruler, destroyed the entire city, including the temple. And then Jesus said in John 14, 16 to 18, and I'll pray to the Father. Here's another prophecy that indeed came true and is still coming true. I'm gonna pray to the Father and he'll give you another helper and he will abide with you forever in the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans and I will come to you. And in John 16, he said it again. Jesus said, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit who will lead and guide you into all truth. And 900 years before that, approximately 900 years, the prophet Joel spoke about the same thing, that that's what would happen. When he said, In Joel 2, it'll come out about after this, I'll pour out my spirit on all mankind, and then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now now he's talking about a time where it's not just Jeremiah, it's not just Joel, and it's not just the Old Testament prophets as we know them, or even the judges. There's coming a time when I'm gonna have a people, all sons and daughters, all flesh is what the one translation says, pour my spirit on all flesh, and now you all will prophesy and become prophets. Like me, Jesus said. And, and, then, he, and then he's like, and your sons and daughters will, have, uh, will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then when the day of Pentecost came, in the book of Acts, Jesus, uh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus was Going to be with the Father, Peter stood up and he said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. This is the fulfillment of that. Now, now we have a generation and a whole people of prophets. 
Those who are the mouthpiece of God, those who, when they speak, they're gonna say, this is what I believe God is saying. Does that make sense to somebody? First Peter 4, 11, let me give you this. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Well, do you? Now, when you open up your mouth to speak, how much of it is God? Oh, me, oh, my. And, <laughs> right, that's what I do when I think about that. How, how much of your conversations going into the Christmas season and in your Christmas parties and with your family, how much of it is you saying, I'm gonna speak as one who speaks for the Lord, or how quick is it to dive into gossip, slander, and backbiting? I'm not speaking about any of your families, I'm sure, and I'm sure none of you precious as you are, can relate to this right now. There's my little sarcasm for the morning. But how, how much of our conversations, of our dialogue, of our interactions with our family members, with our friends, with our coworkers, is an utterance of God? And how much isn't? Right? Do you, have to, do you stop and ask yourself that sometimes? You know, how, what would it be like if a prophetic generation would truly start to manifest? I'm going to share some characteristics of a, of a prophetic generation, just so you can carry something with you into the Christmas season of what it might look like and something to pursue. But what it would look like is if in the middle of a gossip and slander session where your family's talking about someone, I mean, seriously, you know, what, what is there left to talk about if not about people, Right? And you would pause and you would say, you know, I'm gonna start praying for that person. They need our prayers. Just mess with the gossipy spirit right then and there. Well, what would it be look like for you to say something positive about the one that everyone's speaking negative about? When someone's depressed and angry and frustrated, what would it be like for you, the prophet of God, the prophetess of the Lord now in this generation, speaking with an utterance from the Holy Spirit, says, I encourage you in the name of Jesus. You, I speak life and not death. You're going to live and not die or something like that. So your family's going to look at you weird. So what? They looked at all the prophets weird. <laughs> so weird they stoned some of them. And they killed Jesus, but it's okay. You know, do you, are you a mouthpiece of God? And if not, why not? Because it's supposed to be in you. The Holy Spirit within you is a prophetic Holy Spirit. He likes to say what God is saying. And he likes when we repeat what it is God is saying. And he doesn't really care when we speak what the enemy's saying. Amen. I'm gonna give you three characteristics of a prophetic people. And I don't want you to take on this like feeling condemned, like, oh my goodness, I'm not that. I want you to take it on you as a, as a, as a way of calling upon the grace of God to say, cultivate this within me, Lord. That, that's, that's the way I'd like it to be received. And call on the grace of God and say, build it inside of me. So number one, number one people is called radical faith. A characteristic of a prophetic people, which you are, is people that have radical, radical faith. And you need, you need a faith that's, that, that's like Romans 4.17. It says this, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they already did. And that's the nature of a prophetic person, to look at something, to look at a circumstance, and to look at a person, and to see beyond what you're seeing in front of you. 
Now there's a book, there's a book called The Fourth Dimension. I'd love you to get it if you don't have it. It's one of the best books. I've read it through three times and I'm probably just gonna do it again. It was written by Dr. David Young E. Cho who is now pastoring the biggest church in all the world actually in a place called Korea, South Korea of course. And, and he wrote a book called The Fourth Dimension. Now, now there's a story in there that goes like this and you get the essence of what the book is about. But someone came to him and had a daughter that, um, that had strayed from the Lord. And she had given herself to prostitution and drugs and things like that. And they came to him distraught and say, we need help. You know, we, we want to pray for our daughter. I want her to come back to Jesus. Well, first, what Dr. David Young Cho did, um, th this Korean pastor, he says, he asked them some questions and it went like this. He said, what does it look like? Can you describe what your daughter would look like if she came back to the Lord and started worshiping Jesus? This took a little while because all you can see is what's in front of you, Right? the daughter who's given herself to prostitution and drugs. I imagine she didn't look that well. Then they started in their, in, you know, in their, in their spirit, in their, in their mind, using God, the gift of imagination, they could suddenly get a picture of their daughter worshiping Jesus, free from drugs, free from prostitution. And then he said, now, now we'll pray. Now that you have a picture of what it could look like and what Jesus is seeing your daughter could be, now let's pray. Within months, the daughter came back to the Lord because she showed up at her house. She showed up at the parents' house, and now the parents were seeing her the way Jesus could see her, saved, sealed, sanctified by the blood of Jesus, right? Anyway, um, the, the story goes on to say in this book that this daughter today is one of their biggest life group leaders in this church and leads a lot of other people to Jesus, one of the biggest leaders in their church. Anyway, anyway, I did the same thing. This is going back a couple years, but I used to work with this guy that I'm like, I want, I want to see him saved. I know, I know that God's got a call in this young man's life. And this guy was like a bodybuilder, dude. He's one of the best machine operators we ever had. I used to, be, um, used to work as a, a production supervisor, and I would pray for him. And, and I, I, one day I felt the same thing. I was reading this book, Yang Cho's book, and I, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you, you're not picturing him what he's gonna look like. You're picturing him what he looks like now, lost, just lost, depressed and lost. <laughs> and, and so I paused and I said, Holy Spirit, help me to see him the way you see him. And because, I don't know why, maybe because he's a bodybuilder dude, you know, he, he's a big guy. I pictured him worshiping in a church meeting, a church service, just sort of like this, you know. He's, he's all cool, calm, and collected, so he would worship like this, right? <laughs> That's just what I pictured. So I prayed, and I'll never forget a couple months later when I turned around, I was in an effort of community church worship service, and I turned around, and there's my friend. I'll call him Dan for the sake of this service. There's my friend Dan, worshiping God right like that, and muscles and all, just, just like this. He, he's, he's a big strapping dude. And, and he's worshiping God exactly the way that I pictured in my mind when I was praying for him. See, see, we, we need to be a people, and I'm not saying, you know, vision directs everything. Like, if you can imagine it, it's not a name it and claim it type thing. But if you can picture someone the way that Jesus would picture them, and then pray. It's a radical faith that can change the way that you see prayers answered. Does that make sense to somebody? All right, so how's your faith? Some of you are saying, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I think that Jesus might be saying, if you can believe it, if you can see it, see it here, then you might see it come to pass. So John 20, 29 in the Passion Translation, I wanna, and Jesus replied to Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. 
But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts, and they, they will be blessed even more. And I think that a prophetic generation like, like God's raising up continually says, Jesus, what do you see? Emmanuel, you're here, God with us. Now, what do you see? Help me to see what you see, amen? Number two, number two is a prophetic generation and a prophetic people like you are are people who love the truth. Somebody say truth. You actually fall in love with the truth. It talks about it in Thessalonians and again in Acts and it talks about the Bereans and how much they loved the truth and they studied the scriptures to see what all was true. But I'm gonna read you John 18, 37. Jesus was questioned by Pilate before he was to be crucified and Jesus said, you say rightly that I'm a king. Pilate, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And then Jesus says this, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now we need a generation, I just wanna plant this in you and move on. We need a generation of prophetic people that have the boldness to disagree with anything that is not true. And, and, then, and then a boldness to be, to, to be okay with being ridiculed for that. So what? You get ridiculed for agreeing with God, and you might. Maybe in school, maybe with your family. But a boldness to agree with God instead of the lies of the enemy takes an anointing, it takes a calling, and it takes strength that the Holy Spirit can give you because it's not easy to stand against the flow of the enemy's lies and just against cultural lies of the enemy whether it's in school, college, or, or wherever you work. And it's, it's honestly not easy, but it, it takes a boldness. But a prophetic generation that God is raising up, even in this place, has that kind of boldness, and it's called a love for the truth, no matter what. Number three, we need listening ears. And, and you can touch your ear and pray for it, but what I really mean is an internal listening to the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I think it's hard in our generation to find people that are really good listeners. They're usually therapists that make a lot of money to listen to people. <laughs> but I think we could be a generation like that. And now, now, I suspect that people that have a real difficulty listening to their friends and listening to their family and just really have a gift of listening probably don't listen to God well either. That sounds judgmental maybe, but it's probably the truth because that's how they're natured. But in Revelation 2, 7, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And it goes on to repeat that seven times. He who has an ear, let him hear, let him hear, let him hear, let him hear. And we still need that today. How well do you listen? I still struggle with this. When I get into my prayer room or even if I'm around people in my family sometimes, the listening part is sometimes the most difficult part quiet yourself long enough to hear something. If Jesus is here, and he is, then what does he wanna say? James 1.19 says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. <laughs> God's raising a people like that a prophetic people that have studied, mastered, even cultivated the art of hearing and listening and receiving God's voice. Is that you? 
And there's another, there are other messages we're gonna preach next year about how to hear God. I just wanna create hunger in you today. Get into that place of his presence. Go into the Christmas season as a person who says, I, I, I can hear God, I have the Holy Spirit, the prophetic Holy Spirit living within me. Jesus, the great prophet himself dwells with me now and causes me to be that kind of person. Amen. Can you stand with me today? I wanna, I wanna read this over you, Revelation 19.10 of the Passion Translation again. At this, at this I fell face down. John, John is writing that he, he was having this incredible experience with the Lord and I fell face down at the angel's feet to worship him, but he stopped me and he said, don't, don't do this for I'm only a fellow servant with you and one of your brothers and sisters who cling to what Jesus testifies. And the angel says, worship God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What, what is the testimony of Jesus? It means to bear witness to or, or to show. Okay, let, let me just break it down to you real quick. Do others see Jesus when they see you and me? Let's go even further. When you open your mouth to speak, do people hear God speaking to you, to them? When I open my mouth to speak at, at the Christmas party coming up on December 25th or the 24th rather for us, when I interact and when I speak. Okay, we're gonna talk about food for part of it, and that's maybe God and maybe not. We're gonna talk about sports, that'll be a big part of it. God's not against all those conversations. You gotta talk about work, you gotta talk about your family. But when you open your mouth to speak, is it for God or against God? Are you repeating things that God is saying? Then it says, is it the testimony of Jesus Christ? It's the spirit of prophecy. Think, whoa, when people listen to me, what are they hearing? What are they hearing? I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. I want it to be a challenge, but it creates a hunger in me. It creates a prayer in me that says, Lord, manifest yourself in me. Show yourself in me that much that when people are around me, when people hear me talk and hear me speak, that they somehow feel the love of Jesus and the words of Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what I want. Is that what you want, anybody? That's what I want. That's what I want this Christmas season. I want people to see Jesus when they, when they interact with us. There are some of you here right now that, that simply need to first get saved before you're worrying about what, what happens with the, interacting with the Holy Spirit and hearing his voice. And getting saved simply means that I've chosen to follow this man, Jesus, who was born on Christmas day, who, was, who gave his life for us later on the cross. And he came that we would have life and life more abundantly, but of course, salvation, healing, deliverance, and there's many messages to preach about the life of Christ and all that he has for us. But some of you need to take that first step. It's called salvation. All eyes closed just for a minute. If that's you this morning, we do this every Sunday. We wanna make an opportunity for you to at least take that first step. If that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. We're simply gonna pray for you. Let us know. I see you, kind sir. I see you. Wonderful. If there's any more, let's take the first step today of acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord. It starts right there. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Hey, let's all pray together, shall we? Let's do that. Say, dear Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. I acknowledge you as my master. You're not just a baby in a manger. You're now the king that rules in my heart. 
Now fill me, Holy Spirit, with your power and the ability to live out my prophetic mandate, to be a voice on the earth that speaks for God and repeats what Jesus is saying. Shower me with your grace, your mercy. Fill me with your loving kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's welcome those into the kingdom that said yes to Jesus.